Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and we thank you for joining us on this fine Thursday morning. Now with us in the studio, yes, I'm excited because he's back again, it's Alan Smith. And down the line from Rippenden, that's right, it's Ollie Kay. Later on, we'll be looking at another miserable away day for Arsenal. But we start with perhaps the biggest game of Liverpool's season so far, and they weren't even playing. Manchester City played their game in hand at Old Trafford last night, ran out 2-0 winners in the Manchester derby. The result means City are now point clear of Liverpool in the title race, with both sides having three matches left to play. Oli, was this City's most significant hurdle to clear? You would have said so going into yesterday, and I think you would have said so at half-time, because it, you know, United gave it a good go in the first half and, and, and were competitive and, and defending well, um, competing in midfield, occasionally looking like they might just do something on the counter-attack. I would say, yes, it was their hardest game just because of the because of the individual quality that Manchester United do still have in some positions. Um, it didn't end up as hard as it could have been and maybe Burnley away or... Brighton away or Leicester at home ends up being tougher games, but I, I would say that psychologically that was that was the biggest of their remaining hurdles. So it would be a surprise if they um, if they were to stumble there. I mean, you could see a scenario, I guess, where if Brighton needs something from the last game of the season, although logic suggests that you know maybe they won't, given what what we saw from them against Spurs, that they can defend in numbers when they so choose. Certainly, Burnley play the way they did against. Chelsea on on Monday night and park eight people in the six yard box and send their goalkeeping coach to go and, and wind up the opposing manager and waste time for you know raise it to a dark art. You could see a scenario where they don't score, but I, Ollie, what what struck me, I, I don't want me to jump on United is he plays a system which is clearly a counterattacking system, but while they they sit deep, they press very aggressively, they, they try to play with a really high tempo. It's very obvious to me that the United players really bought into what Solskjaer was telling them. And it was effective for a long time. However, when you don't have the ball and you're constantly chasing and you're pressing that hard, you will tire yourself out and eventually you will make mistakes. I don't know, can you just talk a little bit about sort of the, the calculated risks that Solskjaer took and also whether you agree that the players 
for, for all the faults Solskjaer may have, his message is getting through to the players and he has buy-in from the players. Well, he certainly had buy-in last night. I don't think he had anything like enough buy-in at Everton on Sunday and maybe yesterday was, uh, or last night was, a, was a, in some cases, a, a, a reaction to that performance and to all the um, and to all the criticism that they had afterwards, and I think Solskjaer obviously um, drummed that into them, and, and and that was part of their approach. It was it was a very spirited, combative first half performance. I think maybe as the first half came to a close, uh, you could see the city's superior quality beginning to impose itself. But um, I don't, you know, I think for all the talk in the build-up, I don't think any. Liverpool fans would have any major grievances about about United's approach, tactical or or mental. I think maybe they'd have grievances about um, United's quality, but uh, I don't think those grievances will last very long. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, it was a counter-attacking approach. Yet, how often did they even get two players in? You know, more than two players into attacking positions. It was asking so much of the speed and inventiveness of. Um, of Lingard and, and Rashford, and obviously they are both very quick. I don't know if they're necessarily the front two that you would have to have the quality to take every um, counter-attacking opportunity that emerged. It's not like looking at you know Messi and Suarez or or, or Mane and Salah or whatever, or, or Sterling and, and, and Aguero. There wasn't quite enough quality there when it mattered, but I, I think I think their approach was probably the right one. I don't think you could look at it tactically and say that United got much wrong. Clearly, there are two parts to this. One is get through the, the end of the season, not just results-wise, but finding some way forward and finding some progression in these players and, and working out who can stay and who can go. And then, obviously, a big... To reset in the summer and, and go from there, but I think everybody can see it's going to be a big job. It's going to be a big job. What about City then? Um, they restricted United to just the one shot on target. Alan, how first of all, how big is the golf in class, but also how much has City improved from last season? Um, massive, and not to just focus on United again. I do feel like their attacking deficiencies in recent weeks have been, you know, quite dramatic. One shot on target last night, one shot on target on Sunday away to Everton, and zero away to Barcelona. Almost nine hours without a goal from open play, four hours from a goal full stop. Obviously that West Ham uh, winner was a penalty, wasn't it? A couple of weeks back. Um, two penalties. It was two penalties, yeah. Um, so, City, I felt last night, like it sort of touched on United sort of setting up quite well in the first half, but I just got the sense from quite early on that City were aware that United wouldn't be able to keep that up for the 90 minutes and they would fade, um, and as so happened. The golfing class, I think, you know, last night didn't really tell us anything new in terms of that. The case of whether City are better or have improved, it's quite difficult to say, isn't it? Because, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, who was by some distance their best player last season, hasn't really featured that much. So, you know, you're comparing a team this year that have, you know, in the league, have performed incredibly well without the best player from last season. So, you know, it, it's quite tricky. And I think because the gulf between Liverpool City and the rest has been so big, you could also make the argument that the quality of opponent throughout the season hasn't been, you know, as, as strong as it could be, which you know, is another factor to to feature in. But in terms of the, the gulf and class, you know, it's 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 massive. And as Solskjaer kind of touched on, even after the Everton game, it's going to take more than one transfer window to, to really close it. 
Well, they have scored more goals than any team in English football history this season. 157 goals they've scored in all competitions. It's quite some feat, Gab. I mean, these are absurd numbers. Obviously, they're inflated by, was it Burton Albion and and Rotherham and and stuff like that. But it's extraordinary. Though I have to say, Natalie, last night, we didn't see the best of David De Gea. Mm -hmm. You know that knee-jerk reaction where everybody in England is supposed to say, well, clearly he's the best goalkeeper in the world and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we've touched upon this in the past, but he wants a new contract. He wants a very big new contract. He doesn't have that much time left. What do you do? Can you sell him? Is there a market for him? Well, I don't know if a Real Madrid will want to come in for him on the form that he's in right now, that's for sure. Um, Alan, do you think he's saleable? It's quite difficult because you look at the defenders in front of him and they have not performed and obviously deserve a portion of the blame. But last night, I mean, the, the second goal almost just went through him, which, you know, isn't the goalkeeper we've sort of been had become accustomed to seeing but you know there's even if you go back again to the world cup last summer and there was these there were these sort of suggestions after that portugal game that you know is De Gea about to be dropped and i do feel that outside of england his reputation isn't quite as great as it seems to be to be here and you know if we're, if we're discussing the best goalkeeper in the country this season he's been you know the third best and some distance off the top two well, he's certainly not in the PFA Team of the Year, as reported by the Times today. Paul Pogba has been named in the PFA Team of the Year. He's the only non-Liverpool or City player to, to make it into that eleven. Yeah, and and if you if you express bewilderment on on social media, people say, "Oh, but he scored thirteen goals and eight assists," and point out that his stats are actually you know better than Bernardo Silva's if you look at his stats, or better than Christian Eriksen's, or better than um, other players. To which I would say, look at when those performances were. Look at when the the majority of those goals and assists, several of them penalties, the goals, when those goals and assists were, they were generally in that immediate December, January, February, or mid-December to uh, late February period after Mourinho left and after Sasha arrived when we saw the real Pogba or, or or the... what we hope is the real Pogba, but that is the precise opposite of what we've seen for most of the season. Yes, he scored a few penalties, but his application, I would say, in the first four months of the season, culminating in um, Mourinho's departure, and his application over the past six weeks has been back to the same level. I think he's been... Uh, if, I was, if I was writing a most disappointing, frustrating, exasperating team of the season, I think he would be... Um, I think he'd be captain. Um, Wait, you'd have uh, not Arnautovic? Yeah, I would, I would, I would certainly have Arnautovic. <laughs> um, but it's it's um, probably Jordan Pickford. Actually, we are always told, we're always reminded. Quite often, as as journalists, you know, you just sit in the press box, you don't understand the game. Players know best, and look, maybe they do. But my opinion on this one would be that players voting in droves for Pogba have not watched him for 90 minutes very often this season. I don't know. Um, should, should, we, or, should we, Ollie, do you want to, we need to do this every year, the public service announcement. That <laughs> the, when the vote takes place. When the vote takes place, <laughs> how seriously the players take it. We all know current players and past players. Some, I mean, you were mentioning Dean Saunders before, Natalie, about how seriously he took it when he voted for, 
or how seriously his teammates did when he voted. Dean Ashton. Or, sorry, Dean, Dean Ashton. Ashton. Sorry. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Dean Saunders would probably say yes. the same thing. Yeah, probably. Well, what did he say? Just, just to get some Well, Dean, Dean Ashton was, uh, he was, he'd said, you know, you'd go into the, the dressing room at the training ground and he, normally the kit man would just throw down the PFA forms and go, if you want to fill it in, fill it in. If you don't, you don't. That was it. Very casual about and it. And if not, the kit man would just fill all the out <laughs> Possibly. Himself. Possibly. I mean, this is the thing, right? You get people like, oh, but, you know, to be recognized by your peers. And that's what we're going to hear at the PFA Awards. But you're not really recognized by your peers. Like, they're not, you know, it's a count on the win thing. He plays for the most famous team in the world at the Theater of Dreams. He's got a great social media feed. Every He's taller and bigger than everybody else. I, I would normally not get at all worked up about something like this. But I, I just think it's a season where a player, an undoubtedly top-class talent, has really, really underperformed and has performed so poorly for most of it. And, and the extent of that underperformance is shown by how excellent he was in that in that brief period when he looked engaged and interested and, and motivated. That that does annoy me. It, it does annoy me that, 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 that there would be even an argument that, that, he's been a, that he's been one of the players of the season now. This is just my opinion. I'm not saying all footballers are wrong and, and all fans are wrong who think otherwise. All journalists who think otherwise are, are, are wrong. But no, I, I, I do find... I, to be honest, if it was a, like a fans a fans vox pop thing and you, you know that the social media side and, and different players have different sort of constituencies and different fan bases, you know... I mean, that it would be far less of a surprise. But this is the, this is the players who, who we are told understand better and, and, and know the game better. And look, maybe they do, but I don't think people who have voted for Pogba there have watched him as often as I have, as you have, as all Manchester United fans have, as most TV pundits have. I don't imagine many of the people who have watched Pogba very often with anything other than rose-tinted glasses would have been very impressed by his efforts this season. On Sunday at Everton, he hit one pass for Rashford, which I'm not sure any other player in the Premier League would have, I mean, could do technically, but not sure they would have played that pass. It was just a brilliant, brilliant pass over the top from, a, from deep in his own half. Mourinho said at one stage last season, that was great from Pogba, but I'm not worried about his sort of man of the match level. I'm worried about he needs to have more sort of seven out of ten performances. Uh, when he's not at his top level. He doesn't produce those performances. It seemed this season to be four, five and six out of ten if, 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 you're, if you're grading performances in that way. It's, he's been so poor in a lot of games. He hasn't had a lot of average games. He's had poor games and he's had very good games and almost nothing in between. And it's surprising that the fellow pros would be quite so won over by the good performances. I mean, I'm not expecting everybody to have the same values and, and standards as, as um, Roy Keane and, and Graham Simmons, but maybe, maybe it does say something more about what traits players value these days in, in, a, in a fellow professional. Well, let's focus briefly again on, on Manchester City. On Sunday, they've got a trip to Turf Moor where they face Burnley, who, in the words of David Luiz, said they play anti-football, which you've already sort of alluded to, a little bit gab. How big a challenge will that be, Alan? The city. Um, before last night, I actually felt that Burnley would represent a, a bigger challenge. Um, again, that's probably just because I was so 
down on United beforehand. Um, well, now you're up on them. No, 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 but I'm, no, but I'm, no, because I, I don't think my I don't think my view hasn't hasn't actually changed. Um, just going to the David Louise point, was he surprised? I mean, Burnley have done this consistently throughout the season. I remember they played Spurs at Wembley around Christmas. Spent the entire game time wasting. Christian Eriksen scored in the ninety-first minute, and suddenly they hurried to try and find an equaliser in remaining injury time. And Sean Dyche was so amused by their sort of sudden rush that he actually started laughing despite being wandled down in the 91st minute, which sort of shows their approach. Um, in terms of City going there, I seem to remember, isn't there a scene in the Amazon documentary where I think Sterling misses a really good chance and that's the, the, the following that, Guardiola and I think Mikel Arteta have this sort of discussion about why Sterling needs to improve on his finishing, etc. So, you know, my memories of that game last season were... Burnley, you know, making things very difficult, and I can imagine again. Yeah, and I can imagine again at the weekend. Nobody's going to be surprised by how the game is likely to play out. City will have all the ball. Burnley will defend really well, Mm. and it's a case of do City end up getting so frustrated that you know they just lose patience and it it doesn't. David Silva starts kicking people in the midriff, and yeah. Yeah, which Liverpool Um, fans have obviously been incensed by an Ellington band for the rest of the season. Like when you play this way. You, know, you can do it. It's not that difficult. If you can, you, know, you tell your guys to sit deep and try to, you know, frustrate and whatever. Other people have done it. It's not rocket science. There's different ways of doing it well. And if your players are motivated and Sean Dyche can get them to do that. The problem with playing this way is that there's a ton of randomness in football. And if you set up to play this way and you give up a goal, as, as Alan alluded to, when all of a sudden they were chasing, it becomes really, really difficult to go out and play and then you go out and try to play and you've got all your you know big nasty burks out there and you have to open up and they hit you two three and you lose two three times and you lose three four nil um the other thing is the reason sean deitch is still at burnley despite finishing mid-table time and again and, and sometimes even higher with a limited budget is that bigger clubs look at this and say well these skills don't translate further up you know we don't we don't want to have a team that plays this way because the reality is very few big dominant teams play this way. If you were at a bigger team, you would have to take the game to the opposition and they'd be the guys parking the bus in the box. And then what are you going to do? You know, it becomes a war, a war of attrition. So you, you could see this turning into what you described where City get frustrated and whatever. Maybe somebody gets sent off. And, but you could also see this, you know, Gundogan loading up from 40 yards out, the ball hitting like, Ben Mee's buttocks and then off of Tarkovsky's shin and and pass Heaton in the third minute. And then all of a sudden, uh-oh, what do we do now? Just give the ball to McNeil and hope or lump it up to Ashley Barnes until he gets sent off for doing something stupid or just generally being unpleasant. So I, think I don't think Burnley tend to fall apart in terms of if they go a goal behind, I think there's enough well, sort of... defend the 1-0 the deficit? And then spend the final 20 minutes bombarding the opponent's box hoping for an equalizer, which is that? Yeah, I mean, well, no, no, no <laughs> I don't like no. I don't think even Burnley fans will say it's it pretty. Takes but, you so you know, far. It's, no, it's right yeah, for Burnley, obviously, yeah, but but it has it, been yeah. really effective. Um, and I mean, but it's also why those skill, that skill set won't translate to to a higher level. This is why the guy yeah. will be there in, per, in perpetuity. But I think if you if you look at Liverpool, unlike say Eddie Howe, for example, where we you know the guy tries to play a different kind of football, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Liverpool's visit to Turf Moor when they 
didn't really break past Bernie on quite late and had to stay patient and could easily have become frustrated but kind of had enough sort of trust in, in the game plan to sort of score late um, and really I could see similar happening again in terms of City this weekend. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This season with your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League. It's just £8 for an eight-week trial. Now, every Thursday at thetimes.co.uk, our very own Bill Edgar provides 11 trivia teasers for you, and here's one for you on this podcast. Wolves' win over Arsenal last night means they will almost certainly finish in the top half of the Premier League. If that does happen, their manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, will be the first former goalkeeper to have guided a team to a top-half finish in the Premier League since which manager? I'm trying to think of goalkeepers who manage in the Premier League. Obviously, one is, I think, Kevin Blackwell. Okay. He was a goalkeeper. Well, you're shaking your head, Smith. Oh, Why? Was no, no, he not a goalkeeper? It's not the answer. <laughs> oh, it's not the answer. Oh, oh. The Oracle of Cork. Oh, The Oracle of Cork has spoken. For once, I know the answer. At least I think I, I know I, the answer. I have an inkling, but uh, there Can is a clue. Can you think of other goalkeepers yes. who've managed in the yeah, Premier League? Well, who? I think so. But I wasn't a joint manager. Yes. But there is a clue that Bill's given us. And what's the And it clue? happened in the very first season of the Premier League, 92-93. Oh God, so now you're talking about people who were goalkeepers in the 1980s. I know. I know. Which is why it wasn't. I was supposed to know. You weren't even born then. Is it Ray Clements? Oh, well, that's what I was thinking. Mm. That's that's what I would... That's what I, yeah. I'm trying to think of goalkeepers in England from the 70s and 80s. Yeah, that's who Is I it I Ray Clements? Well, I don't know, well, but no, I'm saying... Only one, I mean, I, I can imagine... Ray yeah. Clements. I think Peter Shilton managed at some point. He was still playing back but then. But not in the Premier League, No, is it? no probably not in the Premier League. I, think, I remember him at Plymouth, but I don't think in the Premier League. Honestly, I'm blanking on goalkeepers from Ray the Clemens 70s and 80s. I think is the only one I can think of. I mean, Alan's yeah, like, yeah, it, it, it is, just, just pretty, it is. No, I think I've, I've read this somewhere before. Stick around until the end of the podcast to find out the answer. As Bill mentioned, the race for the top four continues to be wide open as not only did United lose again, but Arsenal were beaten again as well. The Gunners were 3-0 down at half-time against uh, Wolves at Molyneux, eventually losing 3-1. Unai Emery's men travel to Leicester on Sunday, could return to a fourth, but Ollie, given their away record, do you have any faith in them to do that? I think what would give me faith if I was, if I was an Arsenal fan, I think, the one thing that would give me hope would be the fact that, that Chelsea and Manchester United don't really look like seizing responsibility either. Obviously, they 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 um they play each other on on Sunday, but it, it's I mean for, for Arsenal still to be in a position, well for for all three of those teams still to be in a position to to get that top four finish after the seasons they've had is amazing. Really, it's it's it's, it's a chance for an incredible reprieve for one of them. There are so many cracks in all three of those teams and it's just going to be a case of which manager and which team can paper over those cracks most 
successfully in the short term before hopefully um, some kind of um, overhaul in the summer. Although you're, you're, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're speaking of if you take it as granted that Spurs will finish top four? For, for all that people might talk about Spursy and all that kind of thing, even if they were starting on level points, the four of them, um, with three games remaining, I would still trust Spurs out of those other three. I think that they're a far better team. Um, their performances in the Champions League demonstrate that. And um, it's going to be a case of which is the um, the least worst of the other three. It's a bit negative, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> a little bit. And with regards to Arsenal having kept just one clean sheet away from home all season in the Premier League, how good a job has Emery done, Alan? They have improved. Um, and apart from that Palace result last weekend, the home form has, has been excellent. Um, I think James Gerbrandt makes a point in his match report this morning that they're two points better off than what they finished with last season, obviously with three more games to go. Um, Europa League semi-final knocked out of the FA Cup by Manchester United when United were playing quite well. So I think ultimately there have been signs of improvement. You still look at the squad and you kind of think, defensively especially, there are a lot of gaps there where they could really do with strengthening. And I think, you know, you, you look back to sort of January when there were a lot of stories about the lack of money that they have to spend, the frustrations there and perhaps having to rely on, on loan signings. But then you watch like Mustafi's recent performances, for instance, and you sort of think, you know, for the, for them to really close the gap on the top two, that defence needs needs an overhaul in the summer. I think ultimately Emery's improved things. Nobody really expected a complete transformation in the first first season and you know, three games out, it, you know, it, it's obviously touch and go whether they do finish top four. But if I was an Arsenal fan, I would be slightly optimistic—not overly optimistic—but you know, there are there are certainly signs there where it'd be sort of buoyed going into into the summer. I think the main issue with with Arsenal, just sort of looking forward. I mean, I agree. It's his first year transition. You know, I, I think you need to cut him some slack there. But what strikes me is. If they do need to strengthen at the back, and presumably they'll need to bring in another midfielder to replace Ramsey as well, up front, you've got a glut of players who are all in sort of that 29, 30 type age, all of whom make a ton of money in Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ozil, and Mkhitaryan. So you can't, it's not like you can sell them to raise money. Nobody's going to take these guys. So it becomes really difficult, and you could find yourself in a situation that at the point at which you've sorted out your defense and midfield, you're going to have a big problem in attack with a bunch of, of aging players that you can't get rid of, or certainly not in exchange for cash. So I, to me, it looks as if you know, Emery really has his work cut out for him going forward, not just this season, but you know, this season, everybody's blaming the defense. I wonder how long before people start blaming the attack, even though obviously Lacazette and Alba have scored plenty this year. Ollie, you already mentioned the game at Old Trafford, Manchester United against Chelsea on Sunday. It is Chelsea who currently are in fourth spot. Um, how do you see that game going? And, and do you see Chelsea having any chance of finishing in the top four? If you look at the fixtures, I think Man United are one who, if they were to beat Chelsea on Sunday, then they've got Huddersfield and Cardiff after that. I think that that's a, that's a really nice, um, potentially soft landing if, if they could beat Chelsea on um, Sunday. But... Obviously, the difficulty with that is that in order to win a match, you need to um, to score at least one goal, and 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 to score at least one goal, you need to create chances, and that's that's something they've not been 
doing lately as well as defending well. So that's that's difficulty for them. They're also a little bit further adrift of Chelsea. So um, it's it, to be honest, I, I really can't get too excited about about which of those three mediocre teams in transition ends up finishing fourth. I don't think I don't think. It, I know it's really gloomy, and we're all, all meant to be incredibly excited by the um, the battle for fourth, as if, it, if it's, as if it's some great achievement. But th- there aren't four good teams in the Premier League. There are there, there are two extremely good ones. There's um, one, I would say, very good one, Tottenham, um, who have perhaps underperformed underperformed in the league itself. And then there are these three: Chelsea, Arsenal, United, who have who are in the midst of trying to sort of scramble something from a, from, a, from difficult seasons of transition and if, if one of them makes it then they'll just, you know the manager in particular will, will, will deserve a big pat on the back and, and the players uh, in some cases as well but it shouldn't be regarded as some great prize or vindication for the seasons they've had Hi there and welcome to The Sweeper I'm Charlie Scott joined by Paddy Bear. Hello and we provide the Times' Fantasy Football Tip Service. And we're into game week 36, only three rounds to go. What's exciting you, Paddy? Um, not much, given how my team's gone this season, but there's always time in the last few weeks to make amends. I guess Friday night, early deadline, for those who didn't know. Um, but it's Liverpool v Huddersfield, which uh, on paper looks like potentially a massacre. Um, the good news, I think, is that they don't play Barcelona till Wednesday in the Champions League, so rotation shouldn't be that big a concern. If you've got a little triple captain chip up your sleeve, I think Salah or Mane, uh, there could be worse places to put it. Absolutely. What's fantastic in FPL is that the title race and the top four race is very much alive, as is the relegation battle. So whereas normally we might see teams resting players at this stage in the season, it's probably unlikely, at least in the next round or two. I think you're going to have a situation where you have top sides who aren't resting their players playing against mid-table sides who have sort of given up with nothing else to play for um, which could be a perfect recipe for a lot of the usual suspects picking up some healthy late season points Yeah and uh, any jump out of you I mean Spurs look quite nice West Ham, Bournemouth and Everton Yeah yeah those are nice fixtures and with Kane out it helps a little bit um, in terms of rotation wise you expect those of Son, Eriksson, Ali to play most games if not all three and, and do pretty well Just a word on Arsenal yeah, I mean, pretty abysmal, wasn't it? As far as double game weeks go, losing to Palace and Wolves. Um, I have Lacazette. I may try and sell him. You can't trust their defence now, can you? I don't think you can trust any of them. I mean, who's playing him if Urzel plays doesn't do anything against Wolves? In, on paper, that's a nice run in Leicester, Brighton and Burnley, but... Stick to your Wolves and Watford's far more reliable. <laughs> don't forget, you can sign up to the email at thetimes.co.uk forward slash fantasy football or join us on Facebook by searching for The Sweeper. And uh, yeah, chuck your screenshots of your teams in there. We'll we'll rate them and give you any tips that you're after. Good luck. It is time now for our weekly predictions game where we try and predict the scores in five featured matches from this weekend. It doesn't matter what the score is this season. We're just playing for fun, aren't we? Yeah, we were playing for fun all along, weren't we, Natalie? (laughs) All right, Brighton against Newcastle. Defensive masterclass uh, until very late from our boy Chris Hewton at, uh, I want to say at White Hart Lane. But no, it wasn't at White Hart Lane. It was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, I think, as it's now called. Yes. Against Rafa Newcastle. Now, Newcastle should be on the beach. Brighton Mm -hmm. need the points. Rafa's a nice guy. Easy Brighton win on 2-0. 
You went for two nil win. Yeah, my okay. man, my man Pascal Gross with some <laughs> magic, um, and I want to see Jahan back. Kanch, Jahan Bash. That oh, it's guy. like silent letters in there. Yeah, or something. yeah. I'm, I'm biased here because of my love of Chris Shooten, but but Lewis Dunk and and Duffy that they, they were didn't they make some horrendous mistakes in the previous game? But then yeah, all of a sudden they done. bounce back. This is good. This is what you want from your team, and I don't know. I I hope they stay up. Personally, I'm showing my bias there. I know. Well, uh, if you're showing your bias, then I have to show my bias too because I I love Chris Hutton, lovely man, great guy, uh, and I I hope they do stay up based on that. Um, Newcastle, of course, have won their last two. Brighton haven't won in six. And they haven't scored either. It's not going very well, is it? They're only three points clear of Cardiff for that uh, final relegation place yet to be filled. Oh, I am going to go for a Brighton win because I'm hopeful they'll turn it around, but I'm going to go for a KG 1-0 win. And we touched upon this before, Burnley against Manchester City. By the way, this might be a good time to send a message to everybody out there, including, but not limited to, of course, Sean Deitch's staff. Things get heated during a match and you want to insult somebody, go right ahead. Generally not a good idea to make a reference to their ethnicity, gender, religious preference, sexuality, or uh, most definitely race. Uh, If you do that, and we'll find out if they've done or not on the balance of probability and evidence and whatever at some point, maybe, um, you're going to be in serious trouble and rightly so. Um, Natalie, we've Mm. kind of hinted at what might happen here. Yes, so Burnley obviously unbeaten in the last four, so in a little bit of good form. But, I mean, I just can't see City losing this one. Uh, And having overcome the match that everyone suggested would be their biggest stumbling block to come away with the win at United on uh, Wednesday night, I just can't see City losing this one. So I'm going to go for a 3-0 win. I'm going to go Man City to win as well. I'm going to say 3-1. Ashley Barnes to score and then get promptly sent off. (laughs) Possibly arrested too. (laughs) Okay, let's focus on the game at Old Trafford then. We've mentioned it already. Manchester United against Chelsea Gab. Wow, that that, that crazy statistic about United's not scoring in so long. I think we've also kind of, because we all like Marcus Rashford and he's young, We've also slightly skirted the issue that he has, hasn't been anywhere near as effective over the last couple of months as he was earlier. Maybe because he's been overplayed. Maybe because he's surrounded by players who aren't playing well, which doesn't help when you're a striker. I think Chelsea come back with a point in this mm. one. Uh, so I'm going to say United 1, Chelsea 1. That's what I've gone for. Oh, what a coincidence, it's there. Because I'm thinking also Maurizio Sarri might have one eye on Eintracht Frankfurt following week the semi-final of the Europa League so you know he won't want his best players to get injured so yeah I think this could be a a draw as well 1-1 I'm going for up next this is a Premier League clash isn't it in the championship Leeds United against Aston Villa your man Mr. O'Kelly and his friend (laughs) Dean Smith Um, and I'm going to this one and you'll be there I'm going to, to be support at this Dean game. and O'Kelly. Uh, I will be neutral in this one, but I am going <laughs> um, against Marcelo Bielsa. I know, and the blue bucket. And as I understand it, Norwich have been promoted. Yes, uh, all but yeah. I mean, it's yeah. They okay. need so one point or something. Leeds don't have automatic promotion yet. No, so they had it. They had it in their their hands the <laughs> destiny was in their hands and then they've gone and lost their last two to Wigan and Brentford which means now Sheffield United are in pole position so if Sheffield United win their next game which is uh, against Ipswich 
What? They will be promoted, Sheffield United. But that would mean that Leeds and Villa can't both be promoted. No. That would suck. We, we no, want them both back in the Premier League. Be, we want the big teams back in the Premier but League. But this might, and I say might, be a rehearsal out? for the playoff final. Yeah, I know, but I want them in the Premier League. I I know, you, can't have that. you won't be able to have that, I'm afraid. Well, Sheffield United would have to lose all their games, really. And they're playing Ipswich, who are, playing who are effectively playing in League 3 right now, right? <laughs> they have been relegated, yes. That's not fair. That is how football works, Gab, right. I'm afraid. Okay. And Leeds on a bad run of form right now. As I say, they had destiny in their own hands, but that has now all gone away. They're relying on other results to gain automatic promotion. As for Villa, 10 wins in a row for them. That is a club record. Dean Smith really turned it around. Um, I just think, hmm, with, with Villa, chance to lay down a marker, perhaps going into the playoffs. Ooh, both teams are going to go for it. I think this could be a high-scoring 2-2 draw. All right, I'm going to be on Team Bielsa and the might of Ellen Road leads three, Villa two. Ooh, okay. Let's move into Germany, Gab. Yeah, also, so it's uh, Borussia Dortmund against uh, Schalke Geltenkirchen. Um, Borussia Dortmund still trying to hang on, trying to make a title race uh, of it. It's only a point, um, isn't it? Schalke, I mean, I think they're going to stay up, but obviously this is absolutely huge for them. Um, Schalke have been an absolute zoo this year with player revolts and whatnot. I think Dortmund walk it. You know, you could see Schalke putting up resistance. You see things getting nasty and feisty in cards. But, yeah, no, I got Dortmund here. 2-0. Ooh, okay. Yeah, Schalke are not in the best of form. As you say, just one win in their last 11. So it's not going very well for them. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, as you say, still fighting for the league. So they'll need the points. I'm going for a Dortmund win. I'm going to say 3-1. We will see what happens. And it's just for fun, isn't it? <laughs> okay, just enough time to give you the answer to Bill Edgar's trivia teaser. We asked, Nuno Espirito Santo could become the first former goalkeeper to have guided a team to a top-half finish in the Premier League since which manager? Now, Alan was very confident that it was Ray Clements. I thought it was Ray Clements. I thought it was Ray Clements because he's the only one I could think yes. of. Um, but but guess he... what? No, the Oracle of Cork is wrong. <laughs> imagine that. Now, he is wrong. And this is because Bill has anticipated that we'd say Ray Clements. But Ray Clements, he says, if you actually look at his official title when he was at Tottenham, he was the assistant manager to Doug Livermore. Therefore, And some people say that. Terry Venables was actually running the Oh, team. how could you say that? Huh? So, do you want to know the answer? Yes. It was Mike Walker of Norwich, who took the Canaries to third in the 92-93 season. He was... Uh, was he a goalkeeper? And had a famous son, who was a goalkeeper as well. That guy's his son? Ian the, Walker. Ian Walker is yeah, his son? the former Spurs and England goalkeeper. And Leicester, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I had no idea Mike Walker was Ian Walker's dad. Uh, We should say that Walker had uh, 10 not very happy months at Everton. He then returned to Norwich before ending his managerial career in Cyprus in 2001, where he has lived ever since. It's not a bad place to be. He's got it made. Look, Alan is still (laughs) troubling himself over this. I admit defeat because I've come across Ray Clements' LinkedIn page. Oh, he's got a LinkedIn page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what he says, I was assistant in capitals. Yeah, assistant, one year, two months, having oh. spent three years and one month as a reserve team. Sorry, Bill, I was wrong. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Gab. Never too late to be contrite. Mm. 
Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many thanks to our excellent guests, Alan Smith and, of course, Ollie Kay. And remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet. It is just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. We're going to be back on Monday ahead of the all-important Champions League semifinals, where I am pretty sure during that week, you will hear somebody, probably an ex-pro, say, all-important away goal. The Game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.